everybody. This is Brandon Ellis, your host of Industrial Automation it Doesn't Have To. And I am here with the lovely Beth Elliott. Hey, Beth. Hey, Brandon. Good day to you. You know, I'm kind of fired up, Beth, and I'll tell you why. Because you deserve a shout out. And that is because our podcast has received nearly 800, 800, 800 downloads. And that's awesome. That is, but that's not because of me. That's because of the listeners and the great content that you and our guests have provided. So, Well, let me say it this way. Beth Elliott. Eight hundred downloads. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so today we're going to be uh, well. First of all, we had a great, great deal. episode last yeah. uh, the last one. We had Dave Rice with Data Logic, and he is so smart. He knows his stuff. He's he, a safety expert, and that's the polite way of saying he schooled me. Uh, <laughs> I saw your tweet on that. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, he really, and that's the reason I was so excited that he was going to be our guest on that episode was because I just. Uh, you know, safety is kind of safety, and when I've, I've been doing this for a long time, and and it seems like for me, safety is kind of a bit of a moving target at times, uh, because it does come down to the organization. If you want to hear more about that and the term onus and that kind of stuff, then uh, check out that uh, industrial automation doesn't have to be unsafe uh, episode, which does feature Dave Rice with Data Logic, and so Dave is over the safety stuff, and so I really enjoyed listening. And learned, I, I learned quite a few things from that. So hopefully that's beneficial to our listeners. So thank you again to Dave Rice and DataLogic for their insights and for him being able to take place in that. But today, yes. the new title is, Beth? Oh, today it's called Industrial Automation. It doesn't have to lag. Lag. So... Well, that's not Southern for leg. No, it's L-A-G. <laughs> <laughs> it, what we're going to talk about is edge computing. Okay. And, um, you know, edge computing's been around quite a while. Uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, the origins of edge computing lie in content delivery networks that were created in the late 1990s to serve web and video content from edge servers that were deployed close to users. And in the early 2000s, there were networks it evolved to host applications and application components at the edge servers, resulting in the first commercial edge computing services that hosted applications such as dealer, locator, shopping carts, real-time data, uh, service, that's all that good stuff. So it has been around a while, but... We want to know today, what is edge computing? First of all, what is it outside of manufacturing, Brandon? Well, I think it's, I mean, you, the, so you pulled that from what Wikipedia. Yeah. So if it's from Wikipedia, of course it's true. Now, actually, that is true. I mean, so edge computing, in my, in my opinion, brandology, uh, edge computing just means that you're doing whatever you're going to do. You, you're doing it there at the point of use. That makes the, sense. The, the best, the best uh, outside of manufacturing, the the best scenario, or, or no, no, the best example uh, that I would have of that is um, uh, a smartphone. If you want to know, back, back when we had flip phones, yeah, they just were phones. They would tell you the time, mm-hmm. but but they weren't smart, right? And so, what made the difference between a smartphone and a just a good old what we used to call candy bar phone, and then the flip phones were part of you know that whether if it didn't fold in half, it wasn't a flip phone. But it was just a standard cellular phone, and the and the big difference is with smartphones, we begin to do things 
on the edge. Oh. And so you add add capability. We added capabilities. So the smartphone actually, I think Apple, Steve Jobs would take credit for it uh, because he wanted, he said, he. I remember watching a documentary. He said, I, I didn't like having my cell phone in one pocket or on my belt, my um cassette player or music player on another or even mp3 player on another another loop on my belt loop mm-hmm. and my digital camera mm-hmm. and so he, he combined those three and the reason he was able to do that is because a phone became more of a, a smart more intelligent device and from that bloomed a lot of capability and so if you want to know the difference between edge computing and not edge computing put your phone uh, not during this podcast because it'll probably stop. <laughs> but put your phone in airplane mode, and anything on there that stops is not edge based. Anything that continues to work is. So if you have music files, MP3 files, or something like that, some type of music or video that's downloaded to your phone, it's got to be downloaded yeah, to that's your right. phone. Then it is resident at the point of the phone, which we're going to refer to as your edge. And so if you're on the airplane or in airplane mode, you can still watch your videos. You can still listen to your music. But if that music is being streamed or if that video is being streamed in and you put it in airline mode, then what happens? You don't get to see it. You don't get to see it. You don't get to hear it. It stops and says, internet connection not found. And so those things are reliant upon a hosted, cloud-based or whatever, some other source for their data. And so we would not refer to those applications as being edge-based anything that can survive on its own when disconnected from its upstairs you know cellular in this case in this example type thing is what i would consider edge-based that's interesting so what is edge computing inside the manufacturing world well that's what we refer to as industry 4.0 smart machine smart industry Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that you have to be edge-based but that means that you're all tied together so just because I'm not edge-based, meaning I can, I can still have a, an industrial line that's 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 using IoT type stuff, reporting data from different processes or products and things of that nature, and harvesting data from the upstairs systems in order to run. I can still have all that, but if I put that line in effectively airplane mode, will it still work? Can it still work on its own? A lot of machines can, but they're not really reliant upon IoT data they may be collecting data and they may have a an operator or a team leader or somebody coming with a check sheet and you know looking at the machines and taking those things off and that's still harvesting iot data but it's a manual harvesting okay so if you're doing automatic which is industry Mm 4.0 and your machines are providing that data number one uh, that doesn't mean they have to stop unless it's we you know we're afraid we're going to lose the data uh, if we don't, you know, aren't connected. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a grounds to shut down the production or the, the process cycle. But especially if you're pulling information back down that's that the cycle depend, depends upon, uh-huh. it's dependent upon, then you have to stop if, if you lose that. And so really what it comes down to is how, again, just like the smartphone, is it something you need to work when you're disconnected or not? Okay. So... Is that what the edge is? And you kind of went over what the edge is and where the edge is. Well, I said you were the edge. Um, <laughs> the, that's a good question. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's just like cloud. People ask me about cloud computing. Yeah, where all is the time. it? Where's the cloud? <laughs> uh, 
That's a cybersecurity question. Where is it? Who who hell knows about it? You know, who has access to it? No, the edge is is defined typically in industrial automation, yes. industrial manufacturing. We typically define the edge again at the point of use. So just like the smartphone, where is the application needing to be used? And so if that application can run up in the cellular cloud world, so that it only runs when you have connectivity, when you're not are not in airplane mode, okay. then then that's close enough. But if you need it to run anyway, even when you don't have cellular connection, then it needs to be edge-based, and the edge is at the point of use or consumption. Okay. And so for for me and my smartphone, that's in my hand. That's where I am, right? Whether I'm in airplane mode or not. Mm Mm-hmm. For a machine, it's usually, uh, we talked about OT in past podcasts where we've talked about... Operational technology. Operational technology. We've talked about IT. Information technology. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) so so those are kind of the two sides within a manufacturing organization. Informational technology is what we call the enterprise side. That's what I refer to as the upstairs systems. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then operational technology, that's the... Machines, the PLCs, the robots, that kind of stuff, and the smart devices, intelligent devices, that kind of thing, that are running on the plant floor, on the point of manufacturing, okay. production floor. So what are the components? What lives on the edge besides well, me? Yeah. Well, in, 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 the, in the outside world... I guess we all do, but uh, as if you're far not, as if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up that's space. Right, that's right. Yeah. So living on the edge. Yeah. So I just I kind of I guess I kind of alluded to them. You have devices, mm-hmm. and then you have well, you have you have smart devices, and then what I call intelligent devices. Okay. Uh, so when we talk about our OTIT layout. ISA has defined as far as levels of of an MES or manufacturing execution system, Mm -hmm. they assign levels or numbers to each component. Okay. And so in general, level zero is people, the people that are using this machine, running the process, that kind of stuff. Level one is what we refer to as intelligent devices and level, well, and I call those smart devices. Level two is more intelligent devices, or that's your controls, your PLCs, your your machine controllers. Okay. And then you go on, and then you cross out of OT into IT, and you have levels there. That's where you're getting to your visualization uh, layer for all your, again, analytics, visualizations, reports, and visualizations. And then ultimately up into your data repository, uh, which is level four, uh, where your, your data centers are. That could be hosted. Uh-huh. On, you know that you own it. Yep. Or cloud-based, you rent it type situation. And so, what's the difference between a smart and an intelligent device? Right. So, so uh, a, a smart and 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 this is brandology. <laughs> uh, I call a smart device. So a device. Okay. And I didn't mention devices. Devices are like the base, base, base. So sensors. Uh, a standard sensor, so for those of you who know sensors, and, and probably most people that are listening do, f- a photo proximity sensor. Uh, during the safety uh, yes. deal, we talked about that your garage door yes. should have a photo sensor at should. the bottom mm-hmm. so that when the opener or closer, in this case, is closing the door, if someone is in, it breaks the beam, it will stop and open back up so it won't crush anything or anybody. And it's a very basic thing. Either the beam is broken or the beam's not. And if it's if it's broken, it, it may give a signal. If it's not broken, it may give a different signal. But it's it's a very Boolean device. It's either on broken or, or not. Okay. On or off. That's okay. right. Discrete is what okay. we refer to that. 
And then within those same devices, you can have analog outputs uh, where you're measuring a temperature or a distance or a pressure or something like that, and, and you output a signal in terms of voltage or current. Uh, that's kind of the old school way of doing that. And unfortunately, with, with those analog signals, we don't use them very much anymore because of interference. Radio frequency, noise, electrical noise, and, and, and radio noise in the environment and stuff. It's just like static on, on the airways if you're listening to a radio. You know what those are? <laughs> Sometimes. AM, FM. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you hear static if, the, if you're not close to the transmitter. And so that's what we refer to as interference. Well, that same static or noise can cross over to an analog voltage output. So if that's going into a PLC, you can have a lot of fluctuation and it's hard to be very precise. Yeah. So then we cross over to devices that are smart. Okay. That means they can talk. They're talking something, some type of a field bus or communications, but it's a digital protocol. It's okay. a lang- it's a computer language. Okay. And so now suddenly that opens us up to where we can talk to these devices. They're still limited. They may still have the pass fail outputs and the basic okay, uh, so analog they- type outputs okay. and that kind of stuff, but manufacturers are also giving us a way to talk intelligently to them to say to them or ask, "What is your measurement?" and it tells us maybe to a very precise you know, decimal place. Whereas before we just had to do averaging and kind of hope we're roughly in the, yeah. Uh, uh, an educated guess. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but, uh, so, so now we're having a conversation digitally. So we refer to that as a smart device, but that device is, it can do basic things. You may even have the capability of setting a high level and a low level. And when those two high, if, if, if the signal or the reading fault falls outside of that range, then an output would turn on or off or something. So you you can you can read what those high levels are and low levels, but it's not really programmable okay. in terms of like a machine controller or something like that. It's not going to really influence anything else. It's more an influencer. Oh, okay, okay. When we were talking with Carrie Donovan about the the um, KPPs and KPIs and all that, yes. we talked about key performance indicators and and the data streams that feed those key performance indicators. That's really what a smart device is. It's going to give you information, but it's not really going to make a decision for the next result that happens. Okay, the decision maker is a step up from that. So the what I call smart devices, and on our literature in the MES, they call that intelligent devices, but I call it smart devices. That's level one. Level two is more intelligence in the device, which means it's a controller. So okay. that's where your PLCs and your robot controllers and those things come to play. So they're programmable, number one. Number mm-hmm. They can communicate, but they can make decisions. Okay. So they're logic engines. So PLC stands for? Programmable Logic Controller. That's so right. So it makes sense. i got to remember all my... PLC. Uh, there, there you go. <laughs> um, I need to label my buttons on the board. So, yeah, a logic controller is a logic engine, so it's logical. Okay. Think Spock from Star Trek. I mean, everything had to be logical, cause and effect. If if this is a pass, we're going to do that. If this is a fail, we're going to do that. If this is in this range, we're going to act this way. If this is in that range, we're going to act that way. And so those devices all live on the edge. They're there. The question is, what from an IoT standpoint, okay. what are they reliant upon? So that logic engine can make all the decisions for that machine, and it just 
kick right along with its sensors and its communications and whatnot coming in. And you can you can never ever connect it to the world, and it'll still just keep on pumping out. Thing. Okay. But if you're a company that's bringing about an IoT stance, uh-huh. why do we do IoT? It's supposed to save money, isn't it? <laughs> to make intelligent business oh, decisions. That's right. That's right. I failed. <laughs> Where's that? Wah, wah. There it is. Uh, an IoT system is implemented primarily to make decisions, intelligent business decisions about. So it's not just wanting to see how good we're doing or how bad we're doing. We want to make decisions based upon it. It can also be for a traceability and a workflow process flow type management uh, standpoint where we want to make sure that we decrease our defect flow out, defect flow out prevention steps and things of that nature and make sure that we don't make and spend money on a perfectly bad product. As soon as we know that it's bad, discard it. Mm -hmm. Don't keep putting the labor and the time and the materials into it. And so those things can influence the process. A process being a machine cycle or machine process. So the, the process is being controlled by those level two devices, the PLCs, the machine controllers. Okay. And suddenly, if we want them, their process, to be reliant upon the data associated with the product coming through, so process data versus product data, then they usually have to connect to an upstairs or some type of a centralized system. That means that if I cut communications to that upstairs system, i.e. airplane mode from the PLC's Uh perspective, they have to stop. They can't decide if I'm allowed to run this part or if I'm not. Whatever Whatever the reliancy is on the data associated with the product, unless you're networking all your PLCs together, which can be done, it's not done as commonly today, because it's a pain in the butt. Oh, okay. Uh, and from a management standpoint, you've got to manage a lot of moving parts to make sure that any updates in this PLC are also, res- you know, handled down here. And, oh, you got to do all of them. Make sure all then of you, them get it. And then, you, or you got to make them sure they all talk. Oh, that's right. Oh my goodness. And then, what if you got a piece of equipment that's got a new style PLC that doesn't support communications to the old PLC, or the old PLC doesn't support communications to the new PLC, and you really don't want to go back to the old days of you know, tying IO together, that's like Morse code. <laughs> and so, so you want to have intelligent communications. And so the easy way to do that, easier way, is to tie it all t- together with an IoT-based system, which is usually an upstairs enterprise system. If I cut the link to that IoT enterprise system, that process, if yeah. it's not edge-based, will stop. stop. Okay, okay. So that's the big, is that the big deal about edge computing? Is it that, is. Is that the big deal about being on the edge is that you can, you don't lose that connection or they can still keep working while they lost that connection? We call that ride through. Oh, okay. So you mentioned lag? Yes. Not leg, lag. lag. <laughs> so, so We've got to watch this. Yeah, yeah, our East yeah. Tennessee accent's going to right. just jump out. <laughs> we're not. We're not really speaking East Tennessee here. We're saying lag. <laughs> uh, lag being uh, how fast does the system respond to to you know queries and things of that nature. And then, but ride through is the airplane mode or being able to basically, if you're on an airplane, you put it in airplane mode to be able to still play words with friends. There you go. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's the ride through. Okay. So it doesn't matter that you've clipped that connection or it got clipped for you. Uh, you're still able to move along. And from a production standpoint, that's huge. And then from a lag standpoint, 
again, ride through is one thing, but remember that this is all from the PLC or the controller, the intelligent device, the controller perspective. If that controller or process, machine process, is reliant upon data associated with the product that's coming through. Now, let me lay that out real quickly. So, products coming through, we scan a barcode on it, we or read an RFID, or get some kind of a serial number or something to know specifically this product is what it is. We then need to check to make sure, can we run or process this product? Again, there's no point in wasting money in terms of time, labor, and materials if you know that this part is bad because the previous process failed. That's right. Mm -hmm. Or it didn't go through it at all or something like that. So if that PLC has got to ask before it runs so the operator grabs the part scans it sits it in the nest hits the start button okay and they expect that machine to run or that machine to tell them no okay in a fairly quick way production managers also (laughs) want that to happen in a fairly quick way if they're going to an upstairs system or an off-site system or even a cloud-based system there is the issue of lag how the delay how long between the time that the machine asks can I run this to the time it gets a response? The further it has to go, the more bandwidth issues there are, the more, those kind of things. And it, it can be an issue. And it can I've seen it add at minimum a second to your cycle time. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it adds up, doesn't it? That adds up a lot, lot, lot. If you can take a second out of your cycle time, I mean, every manufacturing and production engineer and production manager should be listening to me right now. They just perked up because... You're, wait a minute, I can take a second out? Well, I don't know. I mean, if it's if your lag's a second, possibly by going to an edge-based system, you can take out potentially a second. Definitely you could take out 500 milliseconds, uh, probably, and, and anything less than 500 milliseconds, most operators and most cycle time counters can't fill. Okay. But... Still, a, a second is huge. Yes, yeah, so so two seconds, three seconds, ten seconds is even more huge. And so those kind of things, that's what we call lag. That's the network lag. It's just because, you know, the network may just not be able to handle the bandwidth. There may be tons and tons and tons of communications going on. The server may be just getting nailed with all kinds of stuff because one server, one data server, one data center is trying to handle all these different line requests at the same time and also run reports and all the things that it's going to do. So being able to push that processing power out to the edge, which is the line side, uh, saves us in lag. It lets us ride through and provides all kinds of benefits. That's cool. So what's the difference between, you'd mentioned the product data and the process data. What's the difference between those and how do they relate to the edge-based computing? Well, I mean, product data has to do with the The product. product. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, usually we refer to that as traceability and things of that nature. Okay. So you have to be able to trace your product in mm-hmm. some way. The process data really has to do with the machine. So when we when we talk about, and we have in past podcasts talking about, again, KPIs, key performance indicators, overall equipment effectiveness, OEE, overall availability, OA, those types of things, that all has to do with the machine, the process. The process, okay. That's just saying how well is the machine running? Okay. How often does it break? There may be a quality aspect as far as scrap, you know, how, how often it produces defective parts. But usually they're, they, they're, that's not in the equation for most, most folks. 
Uh, usually it's just uptime, downtime. When's it running? When's it not running? Then you also get into waiting. When, is it in a starved condition and that kind of stuff? And so as far as your production planning, as far as moving, maximizing your the amount of widgets that you make. Remember we talked about that. What was the what? the term for the when you the best? We were oh, what was the term for the best? Um, it's left me. I, my mind's gone blank. For the best time, the most you could make possibly. It was a is that Six Sigma? No. No, 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 no. Uh, it'll come to me in a minute. Anyway, uh, no, it won't It won't come to me. Go listen to that episode. <laughs> I couldn't tell. Uh, I'll have to have a link in the yeah. note, in the show notes for it. <laughs> it wasn't team. Was it team? Teep. Teep. That's it. That's right. Yeah. Total yeah. effect. No. Total. Um, total. Um, yeah, I can't equipment. remember that. Effectiveness performance. It had to do with performance. Basically, your TEEP says if you were able to run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, mm-hmm. with no bottlenecks, nothing, what's the most you could do? And because there's some days, no, 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 I, I said that wrong. If you were able to run the maximum for your production cycle, which may be seven days a week, it may be five days a week, it may be 10 hours a day, it may be 30 hours a day, subtracting 30 out. 30 hours a day? Yeah, okay. So 30 <laughs> hours a week is what I mean. Or a shift. 30 hours a shift. Okay, so, all right. <laughs> I, deserve, I deserve that. Okay, so it, your shifts, your production shifts, those kind of things. If you were able to run all your shifts with no downtime, what's the best case scenario? Okay. So that comes in production planning and those kind of things. Because you got to take out for breaks, lunches, mm-hmm. time off, holidays, those kind of things, and and then you begin. Uh, so that's what your that's your maximum best ever kind of thing, and so that comes down to production planning. So that's all process data driven. Process data driven. It doesn't really take into effect. Uh, it, it looks at how the machine's running. It doesn't take into effect whether or not the machine is shooting out bad, bad parts. parts. I gotcha. Uh, so it, that's where product data comes into play. Okay. And we we actually I was having a conversation with a customer the other day, and I and I praised them because uh, they they it was great because they were like maybe we're doing this wrong, maybe we're looking at this wrong. But what they were saying was, we feel like that we need to look at our process data and combine it with our product data to know is our process doing what it's supposed to do is it a process issue that's causing bad parts so you got to look at the settings of the process and all the things Mm -hmm. that were being used and then look at what comes out and the difference was they wouldn't find out until later down the line down the process whether this part was good or bad so they had to kind of look back but unless you can trace the product to know this product was made and tie that to the process data under these settings on the machine. Unless you can tie those two together, you're only getting one side of the coin. You really need to overlay it. And so I was telling them that's exactly what you need to do is to be able to take both of those things. And so many times, companies will spend a lot of money to get one OEE, OA, okay, that type of stuff. All right, this is our uptime. This is our downtime. This is... Where we're starved, this machine, the cycle time on this machine doesn't get the parts through fast enough, so we we build up a bottleneck and that kind of stuff. But it really comes down to both the product data and the process data if you're going to look at the whole picture. Okay. And that's what they were asking me: Is this right? And I was just like, This is exactly right. So it was an exciting time. But uh, but that's the difference between product data and process data. And again, edge computing 
is beneficial when the process itself, not the data, but the process, whether or not it should run or how it should run, is reliant upon the product and the data stream that follows it. Okay. All right. Well, can edge computing be used in new applications or does it or does it have to be added to existing uh, architecture? What's how can it be how can manufacturers utilize it? So today's sponsor is Elitech. Uh honestly, that's a great question. We get that question a lot and and we've talked about that in the past with uh, where we were talking about IoT in our IoT podcast, mm-hmm. and we've done a few of them, but it doesn't have to be... Oh, it was the IoT, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. Overwhelming, that's right. Yeah, So, so we were, and we were talking about the acronyms and everything in that, I think, that was the acronym. There's one. always acronyms. Yeah. So <laughs> IOTA is not an acronym, it is an acronym, Industrial Internet of Things Appliance. It's actually a product that's manufactured by Elitech. <laughs> IOTA. And so we've got two forms of that and, and, and customers use it in different ways. But one of the things that we do when we develop the IOTA is we, we see it as, as important as it is to support the cutting edge as far as communications. And communications is really where it, where it, and if you listen to that podcast, that's what you're going to hear me say. Communications. If you can't communicate to it, you're not getting what you need. Mm-hmm. Go back to the basic sensor. Off and on is a type of communications, but it's not the best. Mm -hmm. And we can do another podcast on that because really what it comes down to is if your sensor tells you it's a pass or good, how does it really mean? How do what what what's good mean? What's good mean? (laughs) What under what uh, criteria did you judge a good? Because Mm -hmm. if that sensor got modified with the settings or something like that, we talked about. Sensors can do high level and low level, and if it's in this range, we give one output. But what if someone inadvertently or on purposely changed your range, and now all of a sudden you're getting a good output for something that's not really good? If you don't know what the high level is and the low level is, you have no means of really knowing if it's a good. Mm -hmm. And so communication makes that possible to be able to say, what was your high level, what was your low level, and then tell me what you said pass or, or fail. To be able to get that information lets you see the whole picture. Because if you find that the high level is way higher than it should have been, then and, and the value is above that where it should have been, then that really should have been a fail. It, it, so a pass is not a pass. Mm-hmm. So th- that's the kind of stuff. So existing applications, communication. So getting back to that, communications is everything. We pride ourselves with our IOTA and Data Commander products. And of course, it's all IOTA, IOTA now. Data Commander is our old old platform. But we pride ourselves on being able to talk to the old as well as the new. Our mission statement is to empower our customers. And the best way we felt to do that was to make it so that to do IoT, you don't have to go out and retrofit your entire line or buy all new equipment. But if you do, we can talk to that too. And so that's really where it comes down to. And then we have different flavors now of the IOTA where we have a more of an end user line total line version, line side edge based version that actually does our workflow manager and all that kind of stuff. And then we have our mini, which if it's new equipment, customers can either specify that their machine builders put these in. We can work with you on that, but it comes set up, it can come set up and ready to go to be able to deliver the data and the dashboard tools and those kind of things are all built into that. But anyway, we're not getting into all that. It's not, 
as as passionate as I am, it's not a sales uh, podcast, but but I, I do have said if I feel like it's a good thing, I'm going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And not just because I invented it. I invented it because it was needed mm-hmm. and a lot of people have used it. And so for us, it can be added to both new or existing in most cases. Not everybody. Not everybody. Not, not all the solutions that are out there that are close to ours. Okay, okay. So what about uh, manufacturers that can't buy or they won't buy new equipment? How can they use edge computing so they can remain competitive? Uh, maybe an example for the listeners. Can you tell us uh, about a project along those lines? Oh, uh, sure. So to be more competitive, so first of all, why would they be asked? Why, why would they want to do edge computing? We talked about that, ride through and, and, and lag. Same, uh, save the bandwidth. Yeah, a lot of times uh, we have some customers that they are building stuff that's being sold to someone else, supplying oh. to a larger customer, their customer, our customer's customer, and the customer's customer for either quality reasons or or something might require some of these systems to be put in place. And so our systems uh, give them the capability to meet those requirements at a, at a affordable and an affordable way, largely because they're easy to use and we can train them to do them themselves or we can help them with that in shorter amount of time than most. And then also the hardware is, is affordable. But as far as an example of how this was done, it wasn't so much because they were being asked to do it. It was because they had an internal pain an internal pain point that was Mm -hmm. going on. What it really came down to was uh, their process required that the process at at the point of, at the edge, Uh each process had to be reliant upon data in a upstairs system. Okay. Uh, This upstairs system was actually not upstairs. It was upstairs in another building in another state. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) And so the connectivity was through an internet provider. Uh, national internet provider, just like you would have, you know, in your business or your home or anything like that. So you would pay for internet access. The problem was at this particular plant, they had a problem with unexpected outages. Okay. And well, they would it would just stop, wouldn't it? It would just stop because airplane mode. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's a perfect example of why you would need edge based. Computing, And so we were able to go in with, in our case, the IOTA and stand it up in the, on the edge base side and help them with that and, and make that work in a lot of different ways. And it was, it, was a, it was a really nice and elegant solution. So what about the, were there already, was there, what other equipment was involved? Because it sounds like it was already existing, the equipment. It was existing. So I don't want to get into their process, so I'm going to pretend like... Yeah, generalize it. It, it. We were... We're almost uh, at Valentine's Day, so yeah. I think your vase example is good. Flowers. Flowers yeah. We're going to do flower <laughs> arrange, floral arrangements. So let's let's assume that uh, the, the this production line that had multiple places and uh, stops where associates were along the same line. And so the way that their, their process worked originally was each... And, and, and each pallet has a vase on it. So everything gets a vase. Okay. But what goes inside of the vase, am I saying that right? Vase, vase. 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 V-A-S-E. Vase. Vase. What goes inside, yeah, what go, goes inside of, of this container that holds flowers um, is, uh, it could be anything. I, I mean, it, it, it's going to be a known, it's not, you know, any exotic 
flower. It's it's a selection of flowers. They're pre-selected, but based upon what the configuration is of this arrangement, we'll decide what flowers it gets, what colors of flowers, those kind of things. And so at each station, some of those things will be added. Okay. So maybe at this station, I'm the rose station. So I've got all kinds of white roses, yellow roses, red roses, uh, long stem roses, all this kind of stuff. But roses, that's what I have. So when this comes by my station, I need to know which roses go in and how many. Mm -hmm. And maybe in what... Is there order? Order, yeah. (laughs) I've never been a florist. uh, I've looked at flowers before. But anyway, um, and then the next station is the uh, carnations. Is that a thing? Yes. Carnation station. And then the next one is... Oh, the greenery, I would think. I don't know. Okay. And there's something called... (laughs) Something about a baby. Oh, baby's breath. Okay. okay yeah. that, yes, that would the go baby's in there. breath yes. station. Yes. I don't know how many <laughs> forms of baby's breath there are, but good breath and bad breath. Anyway, so you have these different stations, and so the way that they did this initially was at the very first station, that person was in charge of setting the container onto the thing, and then they scanned the container or the order that's associated with the container, and it would they had a printer that would print out eight and a half by 11 sheet of all the things that were supposed to go in at each station. Okay. And so based upon which station you were, that we call that a traveler. Okay. It's pretty common. It would run along with the, the the in this case, we call it a pallet that the, the container's on. And the, the person at that point would pick it up, look at it, go to their section. Okay, it needs, you know, good baby breath instead of bad baby breath or whatever. And they would do that, right? And then they send it on down the line. Okay. And if it said no baby's breath, then they just send it on down the line. Okay. But they have to go to their section. They have to look. So a couple of things. A couple of things bothered them about that. Number one, they're blowing through some paper. Oh, so I can from a from a from a green standpoint, they're they're laying out some trees. Number two, uh, in the summertime, uh, a lot of times we get warm mm-hmm. in the, the place, and so fans would go into use. And oh. a lot of times those travelers would turn into confetti and, and just, you know, everywhere. And so th- they were always chasing these kind of pain points. And and, uh, and God forbid that, you know, sometimes they'd get blown off of one and they'd put it on the wrong one or something like that. It wouldn't get returned back to the right right place or it'd get lost altogether yeah. or something like that. And so so how do we solve that? Well, first of all, the printer was connecting to, when they would scan it, the scanner would go uh, up to the main system in another state. Okay. That main system would look at it, evaluate it, go through all the data, figure out what it needed to be on the configuration, and print out the 8.5 by 11. If that link was... Severed. Severed. Uh-huh. It would stop. Production stopped. So that was bad. Yeah. Number two, uh, if the order... You know, now now the upstairs system is communicating to the associates by writing it a, a letter, oh, wow. <laughs> writing it a note. I mean, that's what a printer is, right? Yeah. So it's writing it a note, and uh, if you lose the note, you're done. So these are some of the basic pain points that they were dealing with, just causing some quite a bit of downtime. Uh, so they we ended up sending setting an iota on the line uh we would uh sync up the so the obstacles they had to face yes yeah let's go through those so connectivity you have to be able to connect to in their case something's going to have to be able to connect to the upstairs other state database pull the information down connect to the scanners or or the pallets or somehow identify them 
uh, and the system that runs that, which is a PLC based system. Okay. And then you're going to have to have the data somehow sync up the data with mm. the upstairs system in case the thing goes offline because you want to be edge based. You've got this visual, this traveler, so you've got to create some way of. You, we want to reduce the carbon footprint, yeah. get rid of the paper, and, and also reduce the loss uh, factor. So we need to visualize this thing at each station. And then I guess uh, if we, we need to ride through if, if that that connection is severed. And so that's kind of the data sync, I guess. So these are all the things that we had to do. And we did it with an IOTA. We used our dashboard, our onboard dashboard tools to build all the visualizations for the traveler. So every time at each station, uh, they would they had RFIDs on the pallets that was going to the existing PLC system. We were syncing up with the existing database. Okay. So other than the screens, the video screens at each station, uh-huh. which took the place of the paper. Okay. And the IOTA, that's the only... The only uh, hardware new... that had to be added. Oh, okay, okay, wow. Because we could connect to their existing database server with no problem. We could connect to their PLC and talk to it natively with no problem. So, Elatex engineers didn't have any problems with this edge-based computing system, IoT system that they put in. No, we 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 didn't. Now, fast, you know, backtrack to back before IOTA yeah. in my life, I wouldn't have taken the job. Oh, okay, because how how else could they have done mm-hmm. that? I'd been trying to put PCs on the floor. Then we would have all kinds of cybersecurity issues. Ours is not PC based, so we don't have the cybersecurity. We've got good solid hardware-based isolation. All those things that we do. That I would not have, as as an integrator, wanted to take on. Yeah. Now that's probably different some today. We've gotten better at that stuff. It's a bit more commonplace, but but still, yeah. We we actually were able to prove it all out before they spent a dollar. Wow, wow. So what were some of the benefits? And I think. We kind of know the positive aspects. You kind of went over that, but well, it worked. It, yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> uh, it worked. It, it, from our vantage point, it was fun. Uh, we had we enjoyed doing the project uh, because all the tools were there. We get to grin when when the when the customers say, "Can we do this?" We're like, "Yes, <laughs> yes, we can." And as a matter of fact, it's done right now. We just did it. You know that kind of thing. We're saving trees, I guess. Yes, uh, and then. Uh, uh, what the the production time we talked about the lag and then just that general downtime uh, went away if if it went because went they weren't losing the connectivity anymore right because we would sync up the ride through and so again in my scenario there's set configurations for flowers and so if we have that data we could we pieced it together there on the edge with with our within the iota populated the screens that needed to be populated based upon, you know, actively based upon the RFIDs of the of the pallets. And so when the PLC would say, this station has this RFID, we would, boom, do a quick lookup, very, very little lag because we're right there on the line. We would populate those, those dashboards based upon which position. One of our engineers actually did the layout and, and it looked... He built it exactly like the piece of paper. Oh, wow. So it just looked like the piece of paper was changing. Oh, so the associates didn't really have to adjust too much. That's did right. They? Well, we but he did narrow it down to the section. Oh, okay. So they didn't have to see everything that right. went through. Okay. He actually also added added a, they could push a button. It was a touch screen. They could push a button and go to an exploded version of the, the, the floral arrangement. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was a fixed picture, but it was tied together okay. uh, just to say if it's this station and then this is what it, it looks like. So anyway, those are all preloaded things. But anyway, we saved you know we we saved a lot of production time. Uh, uh, there was a cost reduction not just in the production time because of lag, but they actually had two providers. Oh, two internet service providers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because they the first one wasn't very well. If uh, one, they both weren't oh. great <laughs> based upon their geography. They both weren't great. So two was better than one. And if one went down, it would f- fell over to the other. Okay. And vice versa. And so they got to. They still needed one, but they got to eliminate the other one. Okay. Now, I don't know what that cost was, but I know what my internet providing cost it's not it's not cheap so um they got they had two so they got to eliminate that and then you know i would say you know true to our our mission statement we empowered them because we were using our drag and drop dashboard builder so when we when when we built our engineer built the the traveler if you will the visual traveler Mm -hmm. he used our drag and drop dashboard so they could go in and modify that if they wanted, if they wanted to change it and resize it or put in new fields or whatever, they could do that. We trained them on how to do all. And it's not, I mean, we're talking about two hours. <laughs> Show them how to do this. Oh, that's pretty good. Well, you try. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Let, you know, that, that's oh. the kind of thing. And then, you know, just, just typical things like showing them how to use the troubleshooting tools that are built in, general stuff that we train train on our product all the time again i'm not trying to make this about our product but we did use our product and doggone it it worked great it checked all the boxes and it did exactly what it was designed to do and so uh and it was and and it gave them an edge-based solution yeah yeah so what uh, advice would you have for manufacturers that are looking to do more edge computing what should they look out for Oh, I was going to say, use IOTA. <laughs> I thought you thought you were teeing it up for that. Uh, sorry. <laughs> IOTA. It is the way. Now, IOTA is fantastic, but uh, what do they need to look out for? Uh, you know, I've been on my soapbox before when you've asked me about that. Uh, and if I'm being totally transparent, I would say watch out for the bill of goods sale. The sales fodder, the marketing fodder. We, I've just seen. I've talked to so many people, been more of a grief counselor at times because they made decisions for various reasons. Most of the time, they didn't. You know, it's always I wish we knew you then, uh, but they had spent a lot of money, made some great big investments, and didn't get what they thought they were going to get. So I, I guess what I would say is, don't. And in those cases, a lot of times they were they were told they were going to get all this fantastic stuff for a. Not cheap, but still, compared to what they were saying, a great price. Too good to be true price. Uh, so don't let the dollar signs or lack thereof cause you to hear what you want to hear. Yeah. Don't. And then, then everybody can make a fantastic looking dashboard. Then arts and crafts, man, they get you going. And, and seeing something and think, man, mine could look that way. And not understanding all the stuff that's behind it that really has to be done behind it. Uh, now, we take care of a lot of that stuff, but I'm just saying in general, there's a lot of stuff going on. There is. Um, it's built into a lot of our product, but it's everybody claims it's built in. Don't let that let you see what you want to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, ask questions. Take some time. And for us, especially if it's a, if it's a large investment, 
uh, we're going to try to prove it. Mm-hmm. We're going to try and prove it out. Before, we're going to. We want to make sure. Honestly, I tell people all the time, our reputation is worth more than any sale we could get. Yeah. And so we're going to do everything we can do to make sure that ours is the right uh, solution for you. And if every if other people aren't willing to do that, then walk away. Just yeah, they at least question it. <laughs> yeah, you know, think think better of it. I mean. We, we all need to succeed, and especially in, in this United States, but, but even in other countries. Everybody needs to succeed for their production of, 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 and the people that are working for them. Mm-hmm. And if you don't succeed, then your company doesn't succeed. And if your company doesn't succeed, people lose their jobs mm-hmm. and their livelihood. And we don't want that. No. And you've seen the five stages of iota grief, haven't you? <laughs> or not iota, but five stages of industrial IOT IOT grief. grief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, did that. you should post that again. Um, yeah, I can't remember what they are, but it was something like uh, it ultimately ends up in there's no point. <laughs> yeah, just, just give up. Pull the plug on it. Let's go back to tick sheets and that kind of thing. And you've seen that happen, haven't you? I have. We, we there's, It's disappointing. A lot of companies, there are a lot of companies out there who have fallen victim to, I'm just going to call it marketing fodder, sales fodder. Somebody came in and sold them on all this stuff. They spent all the money, and especially, you know, your small to medium enterprise type companies. But even the large companies, I've seen some large companies that they totally pulled the plug on the whole thing. It wasn't our system. Now, don't get me wrong. They weren't using IOTA. If they were using IOTA, I would have made doggone sure everything worked perfectly. Oh, for sure. If I had to personally go out there. Yes, it would but, have. <laughs> um, but they were using other systems. They had gone other directions. And, and, and management just finally got to the point where they're just like, this this is just a black hole. Or it's not giving us the data that we want. Or we've got all this. That's, that's the new thing. We've got all this data. And we are certain that a large percentage of it is junk. Oh, and what now? Now we're having to, they're trying to find softwares or something to to actually go in and do all the data mining and the analytics to try and separate the wheat from the chaff, to separate the bad from the good. And the fact is, is if you have one suspect piece of data, all the data is really suspect. It's one bad apple spoils the bunch. Mm-hmm. Now that's not always the case, but. We all would rather know that our data is accurate mm-hmm. and and reliable. And uh, if and, and I've seen these systems where they either it was unreliable because it was harvested incorrectly, or it's unreliable because it can be changed after the fact, oh. or things of that nature. And it's unfortunate. It's mm-hmm. unfortunate. Uh, and but but I, I I get it. I mean, at some point you finally just like you know what we were doing great when we were doing the tick sheets. Let's just go back to that. And probably you should. Let let the wounds kind of heal. Yeah. Let time, time heals all things. <laughs> but when you're ready to give it a shot again, I would just ask questions and be thorough. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of questions should they start with? I, the first question I would, I would ask is how are you going to do it? Okay. What's your plan? I've got all these systems in here. How are you going to connect to them? Okay. Not, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get the data. No. How? Yeah, okay. Because if you're going to stand up a server, maybe get cloud-based or here or whatever, and say, okay, we can get all the data. Okay, get it. Well, no, wait a second. Your people are going to, you're going to have to go out and contract all these people to run fiber out to all your machines, to put switches in, to put all this kind of, whoa, uh, that's not getting the data. You've created a repository, but you haven't gotten the data. Yeah. You told me, you're indicated that you were going to get the data. So let it be gotten. (laughs) 
And if they can't, then walk away. Okay. I mean, I, I see. Show me the plan. Okay. Yeah. Show me how you're going to do it, and then tell me exactly. Look, here's the quick step. If you can't communicate with the machine in some way, shape, or form, and I'll I'll define that quickly. Talk to the PLC. Talk to the controller. Or if you can't talk to the controller, a lot of machines out there, they're closed systems. You cannot talk to them. Can you do an EKG method? Now, Elitech is superb at EKG methods. That's where we're putting sensors on the things, and we are able to infer things about the process. Now, not necessarily the product, but sometimes. We have to get creative, but it's the difference between putting sensors on your body for an EKG to know what your heart's doing versus cutting your chest open (laughs) and looking at what your heart's doing. And so uh, if you can't just communicate with the PLC, you can do an EKG method. But there is a means. You've got to be able to pull that data, to harvest data. That's that's got to happen. And so any system needs to have a clear and concise way of getting that data from the machines, OT. Okay. If you're going to put it in a database server somewhere, a cloud, upstairs, whatever, edge-based, you are going to need to be able to communicate to that database server. So how? And it's going to not happen, you know, magically. Nobody uses magic, not yet. It might be wirelessly. It might be cellularly, if you don't mind. The risk. The risk of cyber security vectors. But there's got to be a way. What is it? I've got it and show, show show me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't necessarily. You, I'm not saying go out and make them prove it, make them do it all for free, and and and, and it's not. If it doesn't work, send them out. Put it on paper. Show me. Make a diagram. How's this going to connect together? What can I expect? And then who's responsible for each one of the lines on that piece of paper? If you drew drew it out, if you draw a machine, you draw a database, you draw something in between, you draw your dashboards and all those kind of things, and you're connecting those all by lines. How are those lines connecting? What's that line represent? And then who's responsible for making, making that line come into existence? Who's responsible for purchasing the TV to display it? Okay. Who's responsible for hanging it? Oh, wow. Getting power to it. Who's responsible for creating the data tables and 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 whatnot in the da- in the data table in the database uh, for storing it who's responsible for setting up the communications with the database if there's stored procedures or things where there's some intelligence on the database side so maybe we're saying this is the part number and expecting it to respond with yes you can run or no you can't who's responsible for creating that because that's a program yeah, you know, if it's on our IOTA, that's built in with our workflow manager. But if you're doing it on your upstairs system, which many people will do, or on a server, a software, who is creating that? Okay. It has to be created because your process is different than everybody else's process. And there's nobody that's going to sell an off-the-shelf software product that works for everyone's process the same. Not everything is the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless everybody in the entire planet starts making the exact same product, product the exact same way. And so these are things that everybody thinks about knows it's not it's not earth shattering but sometimes when we see stuff and we see a price or we see an opportunity to improve our process uh, or or if if we're being leaned on by upper management uh, or you know the board of directors or (laughs) investors or whatever or even outside customers to show us this show us this and you don't really have it in the budget to do and somebody comes to you with a great price or they show you a dashboard or some kind of visualization that just looks really good, then then it's easy for us as human beings 
to begin to hear and see what we want to hear and mm-hmm. see. Yeah. And on the backside, you're going to realize the difference. And I would rather you not have that experience. Yeah. So uh, what do, you, what, do you have anything else you want to add to that? Well, since I have kind of sold the iota during this podcast, even though I was not supposed to, let me tell you about something. Our web demo. If you would like to have a demonstration of the iota MES uh, gateway, call us. I'll make sure that we set it up and we can demonstrate what it can do for you. That's right. Or they could email. I think it's free demo. Is it? Free demo at elatech.com? Yeah, yeah. free demo at elatech.com. It looks weird spelled out. It's like freedom o freedom o. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. So that's it. freedom o at elatech.com. Yeah, seriously. If if you if you are looking at this kind of stuff and and especially if you had a bad experience, you want to talk a little bit about it and what we would do. Certainly, we'd love to share with you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And next up. For the, our next episode, we're going to have another special guest. Special guest. Yeah. Oh, I've been looking for that one. <laughs> Let's try that. Okay. No, not that one. I don't know what that one is. Special guest. That's right. It's going to be Morgan Everett with the Red Nation Robotics team over at our uh, local high school here in Knoxville, Tennessee, Halls High School, the Halls Red Devils. So uh, Morgan Everett. Everybody knows him as Everett. That's his last name. So I always say Morgan, and that throws people off. Now, Everett is fantastic. What he and those and, and, he, and the students, they're, I, they're I, fantastic. What, I've been blown away with the stuff that they've done and what they've pulled off over there. And, and with COVID, I haven't had all the opportunity to get over there. Mm-hmm. It's affected every high school in, in probably the world, but definitely in the United States. And it has grossly affected First Robotics. You know, last year uh, we were working with, we sponsored them, but I was, they, they did so great. They they won Worlds. It's amazing. And then COVID. And it kind of ripped the, no, it didn't kind of, it, it yanked the rug out from under them. Sure it, but it's amazing to see how they've made the best out of it, mm-hmm. how they continue to do that. Um, unfortunately, the competitions have, as live competitions, I think he told me the other day, he shared with me when I saw him, uh, that they've been canceled, uh, modified okay. to virtual, I guess. Um, so I'd like to hear him tell us a little bit about how they're going to be virtual, but just some of the fantastic things that they're doing over there. Yeah. And uh, it's a great program. First Robotics, I'm sure. A lot of people are familiar with it, and certainly, it's of course, it's part of the STEM education mm-hmm. movement and that kind of thing. But, yeah, First Robotics at Halls High School. Shout out, guys. You're doing great. <laughs> yay, yay. Wait. Oh. Oh, no, that's the <laughs> wrong button. See, Beth did that. I know. I'm pressing the buttons. So. Uh, Red Nation Robotics. Red Nation Robotics. Halls, Tennessee. Nope. Halls, Fountain City, Tennessee, here in East Tennessee. Yeah, so we're looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. What else? I think uh, that's about it. Uh, rate and review. That's right. Rate and review. Just You can find uh, Elitech. We've got all the podcasts on our website now. It's Elitech, E-L-L-I-T-E-K.com slash podcast, and you can see them all there, and you could subscribe to the RSS feed there. And just leave us your comments and uh, let us know what we can do to empower you in your career. So, and also let us know if you've got some uh, topics that you'd like to, to hear about, if you've got some problems you'd like to see a solve, solve to, or how I think I would solve it, uh, or we would solve it as, as, from our vantage point. Follow us, rate us, review us, subscribe to us, tweet us, I don't know, <laughs> twit us, uh, we, we twitted. Um, 
uh, and visit our website. Give us a call, 865-4091-5555. That's right. Yeah. All of a sudden, it didn't sound right. Guys, I'm Brandon Ellis. This is Beth Elliott. Industrial automation doesn't have to. It doesn't have to lag. It doesn't have to lag. Hey, see you, Beth. Thanks. <laughs>